Nice. Nice. All right. Well, I am in Sydney, Australia today. So I did commit to trying to do all of our podcasts yep. in person, which is um, a goal that we set earlier on. Yep. And I actually put that goal in Impura. Oh, that, was, that was one of the goals that oh, I said, well, so we'll, we'll talk about it. What a segue. I love it. <laughs> what a segue. But so I'm in Sydney, Australia today. I am joined by Ash Brown. So Ash, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Thanks, Mark. I, uh, I've been listening since almost day one, which is good. So it's always good to uh, be asked to come on the, to one of these things and talk about my former industry. Awesome. So most of the time I'm here trying to like explain how we can bring more people into the equipment rental industry yeah. and this is a unique podcast where i'm talking about someone that's left the equipment rental industry yeah i got out but but you do have a very interesting story um and not many people understand what it takes to start a software business yeah uh, or a tech business and um so you've got a lot of experiences that i want to talk about and how you got to that landing but before we get that Let's jump to the very beginning on how you first got into the equipment rental industry. Uh, this is a, yeah, this was way back in 2004, I think. God, yeah, it would be. Um, for, I was in hospitality for when I moved to Melbourne when I was like 18. And I did that and did hospitality management and hated it, loved it, but it's a single man's game. And when you have a wife and a young daughter, it doesn't, priorities change. And then um, I literally it was applying for jobs because I wanted to be a sales rep because sales reps got commission and a free car. That was my thing. You're like, I get a free car and my car was a heap of junk because an old EA Ford, EA Falcon and I went, I need a new car and I couldn't afford one. So I thought I'd get into sales. And um, I did end up in sales. I ended up applying for a job at National Hire. Um, Andrew Dixon was the was a what was he the state sales manager, and Dicko uh, interviewed me and gave me the the pen and said sell me the pen. This oh, is geez. before Wolf of Wall Street. This okay. is well before that, and that's why when I saw Wolf of Wall Street, I'm like hang on a minute, he's obviously I'm like, how did he steal that? It's like you know, um, so he sell me the pen, and then I obviously had stuff all in the way of experience of sales at the time, and. Um, I'm like, oh, it's a great pen. It's a big, it holds well. And he goes, you didn't ask me why I needed the pen. And I went, ah. Oh. But he saw something in me and then referred me to Steve Taylor, who's now actually the chief executive officer at Adaptive, and Chris Tangy. And, um, and they interviewed me and said, hey, do you want to come on board as a sales cadet? And I, yeah, no worries. And I was living in Taylor's Lake, so to put this in perspective, it's, like completely northwest of Melbourne and it was based and National High was based in Clayton which is 70 odd k's away anyway so I I I said oh look you know yeah I could but I I need (laughs) I need a fuel card or fuel money like (laughs) I'm not that rich and um and so they'd be here's a $5,000 fuel card and e-tag I was so basically I started just working at National Hire and selling VMS boards Wow. Just getting on, picking, so got on the early days of Google, sit there, had a spreadsheet, had all the, um, the Godfrey's, all the Harvey Normans, all the good guys, all the JB Hi-Fi's and had all their numbers in this ring. Hey, it's Ash from, you know, uh, from National Hire. So I respect the store manager. I've noticed you've got a VMS board out the front of your store. Um, are we able to put ours up there next week? And they're like, oh, well, we don't got to deal with Samson Hire. So sorry, Samson, but, um, 
and we just discounted the crap out of the, the boards because they had like hundreds of boards just sitting there mm. just doing nothing. And I remember Phil Ryan, his name was, River Guy, but he hated me because because I was getting all these VMS boards out because we're doing it we were doing it like instead of $300 a weekend, we're doing it $75 a weekend because they wanted to increase utilization. And, um, and they're flying and everyone's like, oh, you know, you've got to flare for this. And then I just ended up working through the, through the branch network and worked at the High Lift, which was National Hire's version of Access. Mm. And um, working then and the person, there was a, there was a guy there and ended up working as a rep and he got, he got sacked. Or, uh, and I remember, this is like 12 months in, and I walked into Dicko's office and I, and I said, Dicko, I'm the right person for this job. I know what I'm, I, I, I know I can do it. I, I, I'm the man. He, he goes, shh. Here's your contract, here's your keys, we're gonna give you the job anyway, you idiot. And I'm like, all right, cool. And so I just started that. And the worst, worst part about that was 12 months into, to, I wasn't even 12 months, God, it was about six months in, the, the Coast National merger happened. And I was lucky enough, I think I was one of three or four in Melbourne that got uh, reps that got brought over from National over to Coates. Mm. And I stayed at Coates for probably, I think it was three to six months. It, Nothing wrong with coats. Absolutely, you know, my time there was 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 fine. It was there was no issues. Just it wasn't my environment. It was very um, it was very political, I suppose. It was, it, but it's politically charged whenever there's a merger. Yeah, too, whenever too when, big companies. Well, whenever there's a merger, you've got two big companies. You've got you've got national hire buying coats, but coats being the Coates infrastructure, and rightfully so, because yeah. Coates was the bigger company. It's just that National had the money to buy Coates. Mm. Um, and there was a lot, it was, uh, you know, pissing competitions and whatever else. And anyway, long story cut short, I left there, then took 12 months away from hire, went and worked at another company, and answered an ad one day for uh, 1300 Temp Fence, and um, that was my shoe. Um, 1300 Temp Fence, and there was this little tiny lad. Do you want to work for a progressive temperate fencing company in Tullamarine looking for a sales rep? And I, with the company I was at with at, the, at that time, I was just wasn't really happy with. And my wife sent it. She cut it out, actually. It was, she printed it off and cut it out and gave it to me. He goes, hey, is the company in Tullamarine? I went, oh, yeah, right. So I sent my resume in. And then I remember they interviewed me on the Monday. And by the Wednesday, I had the job. I was like, this is cool. So yeah, so that's sort of how I got. That's the the short version of that was six years, and then yeah, then it's obviously ten years past that. So yeah. Yeah. So so you're probably going to piss a lot of people off by saying that you are uh, discounting the the rental rates <laughs> to increase your. Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. The story is uh, it would have pissed me off about ten years later. I would have gone, but uh, I, I saw what they were. I, I saw. I understood what they were trying to do. It made sense. You got these thirty thousand dollar units just sitting there doing nothing and you're trying to get $300 a weekend for them but they're not moving it, it's basic economics like if it's not moving at $300 yeah. and it's sitting there and it's just ageing and, and costing you more in maintenance you're better off moving down probably $75 probably <laughs> it's probably a plus obviously transport but it was 149 for transport still weird things you remember and um, but you but it made sense. There's no point. There's no point having something sit there, and you 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 not earning your money. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I've always joked about having like a almost a debate podcast once. Yeah. To have someone that's pro discount and against discount, 
Maybe you're yeah. going to be the person I get on there as the, uh, <laughs> the debate. <laughs> only, only, I oh, actually, the, I've got a person that's anti-discount and I can bring him on in my former, <laughs> former boss at once or other. Um, but no, he, um, but in all honesty, my, my point's always been, it doesn't mean you pull your pants down because that term gets used all the time. There's a difference between pulling your pants down and realising an opportunity. And if it's an opportunity like a Godfrey's where they're putting out 50 stores every weekend for six months at 75 bucks a, a weekend, well, it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? That just makes sense. Um, rather than having 150, those 50 units can be sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, look, it's, it's, it's an interesting debate. So so you worked through there, you did a stint at National Hire, then you did it at Coates Hire for a bit, yep. you left the industry, and then you, you got involved with 1300 Temp Fence. Yeah. And so what, what was the next step after that? So 1300 Temp Fence, I stayed there for 10 years. So when I first was there, I think we had 30Ks on hire, I think, in total. I think when I left, it was 600 and something. And it was, wow. yeah, 1300 was an extraordinarily formative experience for myself. I, I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about who I was as a manager, who I was as a leader, who I was as a person. I'm watching uh, that, that business grow, I mean, part of that business grow. It was was incredible. Like it was like doing a hundred MBAs. Mm-hmm. Um, we did stuff, especially early days. It was just red and gay. We just see ball, get ball. We get a phone call. Can you do this? Yep. We didn't know if we could do it. We just said yes and just figure <laughs> figure yeah. it out along the way. Um, I mean, there was a story that uh, when I was ringing around. This is how naive I was. Ambition uh, was a, a combination of arrogance and naivety. So when I first started at one three hundred, I, I just rang Lendlease and and Leighton's back in the day and, and all those and Abbey Group. And um, I remember when I was at Coates and National, I was like, oh, you can't touch those because all the major account managers, you know how protective they get. They're like, oh, you can't touch them. That's my account. No, yeah. I've got relationships with Tomo Bill. I was like, all right, whatever. And um, so I thought, oh, well, this is my time to sort of get these relationships. Uh, so I rang up Len Lease and spoke to this guy, Mark, and we got one job out at Furniture Gully. It was like a little 30-metre temporary fencing job. It's weird, the things you remember. And, um, and we did it, and he was really wrapped, and I went out there and visited the site and, you know, over-serviced over it. And then um, two weeks later, he rings me up and goes, Ash, I've got a job for you. I said, oh, yeah, cool. He goes, we're going to do 60 schools for Julie Gillard's BER projects. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. So I walked into Marty and Bruce's office the directors are ones around and say, I think we're pretty well screwed. We've got to do, <laughs> we've got to do 30 schools, uh, 60 schools. And um, anyway, it got, it got even more challenging because I turned around and I said, oh, actually, temporary fencing doesn't quite work because it, because it sways too much. And schools, Lendless is very, very um, safety conscious. This is even back in 2008, 2009, 2009. Um, can you come up with a solution? I'm like, yeah, 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 100%. We went back and went, well, I got no idea what the solution. So we literally bought poles from DJ Gar- uh, DJ Palmer's, these galvanized pipes, rammed them into the ground at the front of the the yard. We'd no dial before you dig, so we could end it up anywhere. And <laughs> attached the attached the the panels to it. We're sitting on the back of a Ute, mind you. So you know, just back then we would have got sued. <laughs> and sitting on the back of the Ute, ramming these poles in. Last bit of manual labor I did there. Don't worry about that. And um. Did that, put it all together, and then and went, 
Stood there, shook the, the fence. Yeah, I'll stand up. Went back. How much do we charge? I don't know. Let's just chuck ten bucks a meter on it. Went back to went back to Lindley's. Yeah, yeah, we can do it. We've got this with this new system. It's fantastic. I no idea if we can do it. Um, it's seventeen dollars. Uh, no, nineteen dollars for sixteen. It's nineteen dollars a month. Um, nineteen dollars for sixteen. Whatever it was. And he he turns around and goes, "Yep." It was like a, it ended up being like three hundred thousand dollars worth of work. Wow. And but it, it's really set up the business mm. it really took the business from being but i think there's a lesson there that that came from you over servicing that tiny little job there's a, there's, a, there's a little like clue there for how to win big jobs and like build rapport it's amazing what you do when you're hungry and and you just when i started it they had no idea how to sell fence i had no idea how to sell fence the traditional way to sell higher is you go to site you build relationships, you grab the subbies list, you build relationships with the, the plumber, the electrician, the, the, fire, the fire installers or painters. You sell all the, you know, oh, we can get your scissor lifts, we can get your jennies, we can get this. Temporary fencing is so different because once it's on site, you're not getting, it up, you're not getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. So you had to figure, I had to figure out quick smart, how do I sell this thing? So I had to get Cordell's or get the Friday, Wednesday newspaper, go through, ring up, oh, I'm one 300 temp fence and they're like, where? <laughs> One three hundred. Well, I've never heard of you before. Is that like ATF? <laughs> yeah, mate, it's like ATF. And so, what know, an insult! Oh, is that? <laughs> I know you just got you just got used to it. And then, but but you just gotta just keep pushing forward. Um, and so yeah, really, sort of over ten years, sort of grew that business. Uh, be part of growing that business, not just myself. There was an amazing team around. Um, and as we grew that business, we just kept that can-do attitude. And then when we got to um, the major projects in Melbourne, same sort of thing, just rang up John Holland, Len Lease, and got on them. Mm. And that really took the business to a whole nother level because it also increased their safety, increased their way they worked, increased our operational capacity, increased our service level. It was just, a, and, and made us, when I was there at the time, a much better company. It's really helped, helped that business really go nuts and by the way i'm not sitting there saying i i was a man or uh, i was a national sales manager and all that sort of stuff but mate it took a village to get to that place where it is now so. yeah did you hear that bruce he said it was all himself <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. he, he, he tells me all the time oh yeah this is why you just yeah, bruce relax no no you know honestly it it, it did I, I made promises and i i sold the dream and they delivered the dream so it, took, it really took sales and operations to work together in in a real um in a real concerted way. To, to get so it, it sounds like when you first joined the industry, like you didn't even really know what you wanted to do oh, in no life. Idea. And then like you really matured a lot over the, that, that probably 15 years. So, so I'm still trying to mature now. <laughs> um, no, no, it's true. It, 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 I said to you before, when we were talking before the, the recording, was hospitality, hires like hospitality, it's really hard to get out of once you're in it. But you can actually find your opportunities there. Like there's people that I know that are in in really good roles um, that you wouldn't have that opportunity to be in that type of role in a normal white collar mm-hmm. corporate environment. Um, it's it's a very unique industry, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just a it's a unique industry. It's full of characters. It's full of um, uh, really smart, intelligent people. Although that they might not be. You know, MBA, McKinsey level, you know, people, um, but they, they trust their gut instinct and they, 
the scrappers and I, I love that I mm. absolutely love that it's just yeah roll the sleeve have a go you know what I mean have a real go in it and it seems to me that you know I would say, you know, nine out of 10 people I run in the higher industry, I, I would have no issues having a beer with the other one, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they, know who, they know who they are. <laughs> so, so then what happened after one through 110 fence then? Like, so, was there a progression into another role? So what happened was I got to year nine of one through 110 fence and uh, like my ninth year anniversary and I sat there and went, I can't do 10 years. I thought if I do 10 years, I am stuck here. And, um, and jokingly i was always called oh, mr Tim fence and i was like oh and ambition is an amazing thing sometimes and it can sort of blind you a little bit but i looked at it and went i, I want to do something else and and to be fair the business didn't need me anymore and i didn't really need the business um they'll bring on some really smart intelligent motivated people and I was going for a bit of time of transition like most businesses do when you're growing and there's, mm. there's growing pains and, and and I love the fact where it is now. I really do. They, they've, they've gone through literally hell and back with fires and everything else. Um, and the fact that it's where it is now and it's a powerhouse is incredible and I, there's an enormous sense of pride. But I look back and go, okay, that was a chapter. Yeah. Um, and that sort of started a year before I left there and I started going, I, I can't stay here past one day, past 10 years because I knew I'd be stuck. So I, I met with a recruiter that I knew, Sam Ripper bloke who's part of Imperium, we'll touch on that in a minute, and um, had a coffee and he brought me onto a business called Jumbo Corp and which is a little waste management business based in South Melbourne. And a lot of people are like, what are you doing? You're mad. You've gone from you know, a business of 120 people, you're a national sales manager, this, that, and all the other. And I just wasn't having fun. And I was probably, I was probably burnt out and probably not a great person to be around because of it. Mm. And that probably showed um, because I couldn't get past the fact it wasn't that little renegade company anymore. I love rolling the sleeves up and just getting the shit done effectively. Yeah. But then when you, you sort of have to sort of go into a little bit of corporate governance and have you spoke to this state manager about this, have you spoken to this, get these people on board before you do things. So like, no, 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 I just want to do things. Yeah. And, um, but I understand that there's a world that, that that has to happen and I understand why that has to happen. Just at that time in my life where I was, I just didn't want to. Sure. And and so then I left and went to Jumbo Corp, which was, yeah, I went there for 15, 16 months and learned about strategy and learned about small businesses. And um, But it, the funny thing was, and I spoke about this to one of the guys at 1300 the other day because we're onboarding on him with Imperial, cheap plug. And, um, and it was just talking about just everything. And he was there when I was there. And, and I said, it was weird because I left there I left there on my own volition. They were fantastic to me at the end. That you know, it was looked after me on the way out, all that sort of stuff. Um, and Bruce is a great mate of mine to this day, right? Um, and and so is Paul. Paul Sass, who's the general manager there. And um, I left there more bitter, but I was the one that broke up with them. If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And I couldn't understand. I, I said it was almost like asking for the divorce, but again, pissed off that you're getting divorced. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I couldn't reconcile that for years. And I, 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 not that I spent much time on it in the last 12, 18 months, I couldn't care less now. But it's probably more of, I, I put so much into it 
And all I walked out was with some manual leave and some and bonuses. And I think that that's what it was in the end. And then seeing a business thrive without you can be an extraordinarily humbling experience and can really leave you vulnerable. And like, hang on a minute, how, you guys can't survive without me. Well, you can because you just spent 10 years trying to make the company do that. Mm. And it took a, a level of maturity in that of myself to sort of reconcile that and go, hang on a minute, you, you're a good business. Yeah, yeah, you're flawed, but every business is flawed. But that, that's probably a little bit of your entrepreneurial self starting to come out. Of, yeah, like yeah. you want you realizing that you want to have an influence in in a business and then be rewarded as part of that business as well, and in all that sort of stuff. So, so then, how did the Imperial thing eventually? So like, the Imperial, what, when when was that that first thought coming through? It actually started originally in one three hundred. They'd have these things called future direction meetings where they talk about the strategy, right? And I know for a fact that it was a two hour meeting. It's, if you polled everybody what what was said in minute one versus what was said in minute 120, they would have forgotten. Um, nine times out of ten, most people did it and they were more interested in getting back to work. And I thought, oh, there's a real disengagement in strategy. And then one of the things that one of my biggest gripes at the time about 1300 was was there was no clarity. We didn't know where we were going. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a little bit counterintuitive to what I was sort of saying, oh, let's just do stuff. But I kind of wanted to get to a point where let's do stuff that we're planning to do. Let's be proactive versus reactive. And I think that's a challenge for most businesses these days, no matter which business. Mm. Um, then when I went to Jumbo Corp, we did all this incredible strategy work. And Jumbo Corp was a bit, it was an interesting business actually. It's, um, um, I don't, I, you know, I'm not into bearing people or anything like that, but it was a, there was a lot of talk and no action. Um, it was a small business, well-funded, which always, when you've got too much of a safety net, sometimes that's a bad thing. And, um, and we sat there and we did strategy and we talked strategy and we did off-sites and we got this incredible strategy pack from this company. And it was a PowerPoint presentation and an Excel. And I'm like, hang on a minute, we did two-day off-site and all we got was a PowerPoint presentation and an Excel. And it's, oh, go figure it out. Go execute it. Well, you know what's going to happen. Three months later, we're still going, oh, how are we, you know, where are we at with the strategy? Oh, mm. I'm like, no, 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 there's a... So I went out and looked for a product. I'm like, I've got to find a product. There's got to be something. And I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything at all. All I could find was project management tools like Workday, Asana, uh, Monday.com. And that weren't working. Salesforce had no nothing to do with Zoho. And I'm like, there's got to be a product here. And so, and, and kept spinning the wheels at, one, at um, Jumbo. And it was middle of COVID. So probably wasn't exactly happy with the move, but I was happy I moved, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, but I knew there was something that I was going to do. And, and to be fair, I was speaking with Bruce quite a bit during that period as just a mentor-mentee relationship and helping me sort of try to figure out what I was going to do. Because it's very hard to divorce yourself from a business from 10 years and then go and, um, do, and then go somewhere else. It's like if you ask someone that's been in a relationship for 10 years and then the next girlfriend is always a traditional or a boyfriend is always a traditional like mm. it's a short-term thing or uh, same sort of thing with jumbo so i i went you know what i'm gonna probably move on from there and spoke to a couple of different hire companies ironically enough and um then COVID comes along so i pulled back the conversation stayed at jumbo because it was safe money at that point one of the rare ones that didn't have to discount my wage which i was mm. thanks for that and um and then i got approached to go to taxi box 
which was was a um, I looked at their as a as a general manager there, and I looked at it and went, oh, the branding, the marketing, this is awesome. I had no idea how to sell it because mm. I was starting a whole new division, the commercial division. But ended up, you know, creating some really good relationships with the people from, believe it or not, TFH. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Roy Dutt is a great guy. Um, Brett Thomas, Owen Thomas, uh, Carolyn. That I used to wear the opposite colours, like Bloods and Crips. You know, <laughs> like, I, I used to wear the opposite colours. Uh, it's like the scene out of, um, uh, what's the name, Australia Compton, where they're, they're sitting there with the, the blue and the red, the blue and the red uh, do-rags. But... Um, and built some really good relationships with container companies and, and did sub-hire agreements. And, um, but, but at that point, the Imperatrain was working. It, it was going and I was sort of wearing two hats, um, which is challenging in, in itself. But it's, it's, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting three years past one's round, let's put it that way. And so talk me through the, the point where you had the idea where you went looking for software and yep. you couldn't find it, like, how did you action it? Like, what, what did you do? What was the first thing you uh, did? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Sam Custer, who I spoke about before, who was recruited, moved into an incubator called Hyper, um, based in Bondi, down the road. And, um, and I rang Sam, and Sam's like the most positive person in the world. Like, he, he can be raining shit around him, and he's just like, hey, going, yeah, no, nah, it's a great day. Like, um, but... And I rang him and said, Sam, hey, um, I've got this idea. I've been looking for this strategy platform. I can't find one. And I knew he moved into this incubator that helps you formulate your ideas, helps mm. you um, get the prototype up and running, helps you with building pitch decks and all this sort of stuff. And this is before sort of tech got really sort of, obviously tech's on a little bit of a downward swing now. People are going, what are you doing? It's like, well, actually, we're, we're pacing. We've got you in a good spot right now. Um, but it was just on that when working from home started kicking in and people were using Zoom and more SaaS products than ever before. Uh, and I'm like, there's, there's a product here. And then I spoke to a few people I know and said, do you reckon there's a strategy product here that could help you sort of tie in, um, uh, tie in everybody in your organization, give clarity, also have enough security to sort of, you know, there's some strategic stuff that you don't want to tell people, which fair enough. Um, and, and I spoke with my friend Janine, who we're great mates from 1300. And uh, we're like brother and sister, we follow cats and dogs, it's hilarious. And, um, and I said, well, you reckon if we had this at 1300 back in the day, you reckon we would be able to... I showed her the concept of what I was doing. And she goes, yeah, yes, this would solve some problems. Just communication and clarity and that sort of stuff. Anyway, so I rang Sam. Sam and I sat down and... and um, Started the hyper incubator and it was it was interesting. It was one of those uh, formative moments where you didn't even realise. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put, I'm going to do this and then see where it goes. Mm. But I knew I, I knew as soon as I left one three hundred, I was going to do something, and I was I had no worries about bouncing around for a bit. I know some people saying, oh, you're going to bounce around. So I I just trusted the process. Yeah. At that point, I was like, oh, I know I'm going to do something, but I don't know what it is just yet. Yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. No, like, you, I, I, as I was mentioning earlier, I feel like maybe you got that entrepreneurial bug 
at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. And then you knew that you wanted to itch it, but you didn't know how to itch it. And then you needed someone to facilitate almost through that incubator to, yeah. to, to almost be the light to guide you in the direction. And, and that's been the, the sort of since that journey started with, the, with Impera. Initially, it was called Imperia, but I forgot I actually spelled it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going, it's Imperia. I said, what are you talking about? My wife goes, you've spelt it wrong. You've dropped an I. And I said, ah. Oh. And it was a spell. Talk about me being detail-orientated. <laughs> Can't spell the own company and I found it right. So, you know, we'll hope, we'll hope we got. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just, I knew I was going to do something, but I knew I had to let go of any preconceived notions and very similar to what I did with hire back in the day. I didn't know anything about the hire industry, mm. nothing. Pubs, when I did that, I knew nothing about the pub industry. What I needed to do was just sit there and be the dumbest person in the room. And just, I had the passion, I knew what I wanted to do. Like I knew I needed to build this platform. Regardless if this platform makes a billion dollars or, or $3, I knew I needed to make this platform. And and I was sort of led down that road, and then I put the work into it with the hyper, the hyper guys. So every time that you know I, I, they had questions and answers, and doing creative sessions and that, and it's so challenging that we're ahead as a general manager or a head of sales, as well as sort of trying to build this thing off to the side without them bleeding into each other. Mm. It's and then when especially when it starts formulating the idea, having that. Um, oh, I'm not a person that goes out and has affairs, <laughs> but it's like having a wife and a girlfriend and another family. Yeah, it's so hard. So, so that's not that I know what that's like, but that's so it's an interesting topic I want to talk about. So, not not the wife and the girlfriend. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can go down that path if you my, want. My, to. my two wives and my four <laughs> girlfriends won't be happy with that. But anyway, no. So, so you were working at Taxi Box full time. Yeah. And then you decided that you wanted to go out on this journey where you wanted to start your own company to solve strategy yep. through SaaS. And you, and you got linked up with um, uh, Sam. Sam yeah, with yeah, a, yeah. A, a, an incubator. Well, it was actually a yeah, Jumbo Corp, but then I moved halfway through. But yeah. 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 So, so how did you go about having that conversation with your manager about like telling them? Like, yeah, that, like how did that? That was out? interesting. So Jumbo Corp didn't know because, I was, uh, to be honest, I was out the door because I was just, whatever. And, um, and I, it was about three months into the pure journey at that point. And I didn't really know, to be fair to be tax, to be fair to Taxi Boss, I didn't really know where it was going. I knew it was an idea, I knew it was pitch deck and raised a little bit of money, but it, it, I reckon most of the early investors turned around and said, well, I'll never see that ever again. That, that's, that's the money I'll never see. And then when I went to Taxi Box, about three months into Taxi Box, Impera started to really look like, well, this is going to be something. Like, I've got the first, first cut of the pre-development the algorithms are set. The the business model is starting to take form. We've got some real heavy hitters in, you know, the former MD of Zero is on the board. The former president of, uh, sales president of Zendesk on the board. So we've got, you know, um, a guy from uh, the CFO of Carpet Courts on the board. So suddenly it's like, oh shit, I've actually got something here. And so I'm like, well, what do I do? I didn't have enough money to pay my own wage. I didn't have enough money to live off at that point. Um, like for like, you know what I mean? Like full time, I couldn't, didn't have 200 grand sitting in the bank going, oh, well, I'll just go do this for two years and see what happens. And I just bucked up and I spoke to Jeremy, who was one of the co-founders at Taxi Box. I said, listen, I've got this thing 
potentially. Mind you, bear in mind, this is looking back, I'm insane. It's three months in to a six month probation period in the middle of COVID. <laughs> and a guy that a guy that was on a good wicket with them as a general manager, their first general manager, mind you, has come to them and said, Hey, I've got this little side project going on. I don't know where it's going. So it caused a bit of angst. I'm not gonna lie. But to Jeremy's credit, especially Jeremy, and Jeremy's a fantastic human. And um, he goes, look, we're not super excited by this, but we see the value in what you're doing. If you can just give us at least 12, 18 months to help set them up. So I did that and I, I gave him another additional 12 months on top of that. So, so we gave him 12 months in total. So, And his thing was always, you know, if you can give me three months notice, if you are going to resign, allow to to um to um to replace you, and don't let it bleed into each other. So at that point, it was like, okay, I'm on I'm on the watch here. I've got to make sure that all my meetings are either late at night, on the weekend, public holidays, sneaky phone calls at lunchtime, but but try not to let it bleed in. That is extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. Whilst trying to manage another business, because mm, you've got all your KPIs and goals for one business that you're doing, and then yeah. you've got this baby that you're trying to brew in another thing, and if you don't give that attention, then like Sam's probably on your back wanting you to do more, and so yeah. And you've got to work your, you've got to work doubly as hard as Taxi Box, because I was open and honest, and told him what I was doing. Yeah. So suddenly, because if I wasn't, just say every time that we weren't getting sales, or every time things were falling over, or whatever. They'll be going, well, it's obviously you're spending too much time doing Impira. So I've given them a fallback excuse. So I kind of put a target on myself or made it harder for myself, but I felt I had to do it because going back to the 1300 conversation, I left there bitter and annoyed and still didn't know why I was bitter and annoyed. But I also left there immature, which is ridiculous as a 40 year old man, immature, but you know, whatever. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was doing everything right. I wasn't cheating on taxi box. I wasn't doing the wrong thing. I was, I, I was keeping everything above board. If that meant I lost my job, I would have just driven Ubers. Yeah. I would, you know what I mean? I would have just, uh, and you know what? Some people would have taken the piss out of it. Oh, Ash has gone from this. And now he's now doing I don't care. Because I knew what my purpose was at that point. Was like, I, I really want to get in. There's two purposes. One, I wanted to get taxi box launched at, what it was doing with the commercial, which I, I believe I did that, and helped the people that were there, and especially a couple of the um, the people in my team, Jordan, you know, who was fantastic and helped mentor them. Um, so I had to repay their faith because that was the right thing to do, and I wanted to do the right thing by Taxi Box. And to be fair, they did the right thing by me in the end of the day. They allowed me to, and as soon as it got to a point where I could resign, I sat there with Jeremy, had the conversation. He was not bitter one iota. He was awesome. He goes, Ash, I know you're more of an entrepreneur than you think. You want to do bigger things. I thank you for setting this up. You know, and I love the fact you were honest with us. Yeah. So there's probably a lesson there, but but it takes maturity from the business that you're working with. And it takes maturity from also the investors at Imperia to know that, okay, I can't work on this thing 24 seven um, during the work days, but I can work on it during every other waking hour. And that's not including I'm married 
and had a 17, 18-year-old daughter at the same time. I was toilet paper thin, spread that far. Mm. And ironically, COVID, there was no toilet paper anyway. <laughs> but but I, I, was, I was that spread that thin yeah. that, that I couldn't... That it's, I'm still tired from that. Yeah, so, so there's probably a lot of people listening thinking, what the hell is an incubator? <laughs> so, so maybe we should just uh, talk about that for a yeah, little bit yeah, yeah, and, and, and give Sam a little bit of a prop of what their business is. So, yeah. so, so what, what is an incubator? So an incubator, um, they foster ideas. So they help incubate the ideas. So they, you come in with an idea and you sit around the table drinking beer with your mates. How many ideas come up? Oh, we should build an app that does this. We should do this. Okay, cool. It's great to have an idea. Okay, cool. How are you going to commercialize that idea? How gonna, how's it going to technically work? What markets are you going to put it into? How are you going to get investment? How, what, how, what type of investment are you going to get? Um, that's where hyper really come in. How do you commercialize an idea? And w- one thing I really like about their model is they actually really help you go and form the idea. And even if it's not the world's greatest idea, they really help you put it together and they take you on the journey to let you... Cause you're better off, in some regards, spending the 15, 20K with them to find out if it's a bad idea than spend five years of your life and go, well, I just wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. and five years of my life trying to build this idea that was that was Tinder 2.0. Yeah, and, and, and it's you're working with people that every day are working with other people that are trying to set up ideas. So they sort of know the playbook on what is required. Yeah, and, and, and what they've done, especially Sam in particular, like I couldn't have done any of this without Sam because Sam opened up his network. Once again, you know, this industry, this rental industry, is based off networking. You, you know, it, it, that's what sub is about. That's what... The high rental shows about that's what you know. All these things are about. Yeah, you know, oh, just ring Bill from Coates. Here we are to hook you up. Or oh, just ring, you know, Roy from TFH or Paul from One Three Hundred. Because there's all these networks. And when you walk from an industry like what we're what we're talking about now into tech, it's an emerging industry. So there's a lot of new people getting into it um, to have that access to someone that actually had. Richard from Airtree, this, yeah, David Kenny from Hall, Chadwick, Mark Kogan, these sort of people that could pick up the Rod Moynihan, Trent Ennis, to be able to pick up the phone and go, hey, I've got this guy that's got this idea. You want to have a bit of a chat with him? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known who these people are. I would have reached out to him on LinkedIn. Hello, my name's Ash. Can I please pay for a coffee for you? <laughs> and like, it's, there was a guy, who's this idiot? And, and, mm-hmm. and it would have gone nowhere. So they had those, that, and that's what Hyper did. Hyper... Hyper actually hyper accelerated the 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 product for yeah. Impura. You know what I hate when I get those messages on LinkedIn. Virtual coffee. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What's a virtual coffee? Virtual coffee. Oh uh, yeah. Hey, I, I, I sip no, coffee no. together on Zoom. Uh, I get I get hit up so much on LinkedIn on on all you know. Oh, we can help you reduce your cost. You don't even know what my costs are. <laughs> like, so. So, uh, yeah, it's just a template they're just shooting out and yeah I look to be fair I, we probably do it too <laughs> week week nudge nudge so so, so um, alright so now so you've gone through you've fostered your idea you yep. wanted to start a strategy SaaS product yep um, now this is probably your opportunity to plug like, wh- like what is Impira today then yeah so Impira is a strategy execution platform that that's 
put together to help small to medium businesses, pretty much up to sort of 150 to 200 employees, um, align and collaborate and engage around strategy. So rather than sort of sitting there going, um, another pitch deck, another pitch, another PowerPoint presentation, another Excel document, you turn around and, and look at it and go, okay, cool, and I'll just file that away and never look at it again. Um, it actually gives your strategy a chance. So you, we've got a strategy designer. I mean, you've, you've used it and it helps you go, what's my vision statement? What's my core values? What are my pillars that are going to hold up this business? And then what are my KPIs and OKRs and objectives that sit underneath it? And what it does do is it broadens the conversation of strategy versus sort of keeping it to like, oh, it's just in the founders. How many businesses have we all worked in and gone, what's, where are we going? What's the strategy? And people sit there, oh, it's, you know, I speak to, speak to Marty. I was like, well, that's not great. Mm. Um, so it, it really engages the user and engages the business in strategy. And what it does do as well, it shows what their impact is. So why are sales reps doing 30 calls a week is because you're, you're helping the business achieve um, higher sales, which means if there's higher sales, that means that we can open more branches. We open more branches, that means we've got greater buying power. We've got greater buying power, we get better, you don't, it shows mm. the actual impact of what you're doing um, because there's nothing worse than coming to work and going, why am I doing what I'm doing? And this allows, our platform allows people to, to actually understand the why. Mm. Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll give my take on it. Um, since I, I used yeah, the product, yeah, it would be quite, yeah. quite interesting. So so I started the Rental Journal podcast a couple of years ago. Uh, I had a goal that I wanted to be full-time on it yep. and, and push it through. And and I had goals yeah. uh, that I would write on whiteboards yeah. and I would sort of do stuff. And I wasn't really sure. I didn't have a mission statement or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and then, but as I wanted to get more serious, I needed to think about how could I actually make this financial financially viable for yep. you to be full time. So to do that, you, you've got to start like actually finding objectives and achieving those objective goals to then actually do something. And then there's layers to it all. Yeah. And it was funny. So I would I would start putting all this in spreadsheets and on my whiteboard. So I would, yeah. I'd sort of write it down there and I'll sort of cross it off as I did it and. And I, and I couldn't really like reflect on what I had achieved without actually just looking at like my yep. bank account, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what everyone does. Everyone says, oh, the measure of their um, success is my bank account. Is it? Yeah, so, it, so that was sort of where I was at. And then we got connected through... Um, Sam, uh, yeah, I think Sam. Yeah, yeah. Sam's like the bloody Clipsal <laughs> power board, mate. He connects everyone. So, so we got connected and then... Um, you you uh you organized for me to get access and then set everything up and uh, to be honest like I think I set up everything for my strategy for the Rental Journal podcast in probably thirty minutes like it was yeah, awesome. a thirty minute process yeah. of sort of putting and it made me sort of think a little bit outside the box on like what what is actually our, our value like what is the value of like what is my core value for the Rental Journal yeah, podcast and it's awesome. like giving back and so but then it's about visually seeing those those objectives one by one as well yeah and then rather than me ticking it off on the whiteboard or someone comes to me and says oh i want to employ someone that yeah. and i want to communicate my my strategy yeah. and my vision it's oh i've got this product called imperial that i can actually show you, you can see what we're working on so so that's sort of where I, like i'm obviously a very very small business but no, like no, 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 but no. That, that's where I, i've worked at like other businesses yeah. where the strategy has been on powerpoints and everyone's got an excuse under the summer they didn't hit it yep and so now it's accountable it's there it's public everyone can see and 
And that's the other side of it too. Like for me, honestly, where it first started was the real, real germ of the idea was I wanted to help businesses. I really did. At the end of the day, I want to help businesses become smarter and more efficient. Um, and, and that's the purpose of the business. The purpose is to help businesses be smarter and more efficient about their businesses. Turn the lights on in the rooms that they didn't even know they had. Um, you've got employees in your teams that you didn't know there were stars until you actually start going, oh, here's your KPIs. And you're just going, holy crap. Jasmine's like knocked down all her year's objectives in three months. And the quality works there. So, And then also turns on, allows you to adapt and allows you to course correct as well, where sometimes you can set targets. And what happens is, and this happens, especially in high-paced environments like 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 um, rental, right? Because it is, it's a high-paced environment. Bill Reed's like, oh, you've got in and you know, generate it tomorrow. It's like, all right, I'll get it to you, mate. Um, to find out that some of the goals that you're setting are just ludicrous. And but you're getting frustrated because you're saying to your branch managers, we need sixty we need seventy five percent utilization on all, all equipment and it always falls down, always falls down, right? So you get sixty. And you're like, why are we not getting that? Well the, the, you can actually see the reasons why. Well, because of this, because of the reps, because you don't have enough reps in the area, because there's now a flooded market. So you're starting to understand that not necessarily um, people are underperforming, but there's some actions you can make as a business mm. to help course correct and support those people. And I think that's really important. It's, a, it's really easy to blame and point fingers and go, oh, that person's not doing their job. Okay, show me why they're not doing their job. Oh, well, I can just tell. No, yeah. you, no, you can't. Give yeah. me evidence. Yeah, it's like, like looking in the yard and picking the utilization number. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, so, but going back even further, I really wanted to build it for, for founders like yourself, right? My dream for Imperia is honestly, this is 100% true. You're a one person podcast right now. You now know what your vision statement is, you know what your values are, and now you're off whiteboards and things. You go back to the video, you'll see I've actually. Big smile on my face because that's exactly what I love to hear. And I hear this from people. Like one person yesterday turned around and said, this is saving me 12 hours a week in managing people because I set the KPIs out for them. I don't spend two hours a day working with them and then knocking things down. I'm actually working on my business, not in my business. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's, that, that's the stuff I love. I yeah. love hearing that. And But the goal is, so you go from being a one-person podcast to being the Joe Rogan of this crap and you add Joe Rogan a podcast in rental and you've got 20 people working and you've got five different little podcasts going because you are working efficiently, you're working smartly and you're focusing on what matters, not focusing on the things that don't mm. matter. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, but so we're talking about all the positive things that have happened yep. and, and I think... Oh, yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> negatives. <laughs> and so I also want to touch on like it's not all roses when you start your own company yeah oh um, no it's not and so i want to make sure we talk about like what it's actually like to start your own business so and look there's, there's starting your own SaaS business which uh, there's no attainable asset that you need to buy like a generator yeah yep, yep. so obviously it's a little bit different but but from someone that 
was lost in their career at that one point. Yep. You said you were immature at the age of 40 yeah. and went through to then now be the founder of a company that's gone through raises and has yep. raised money to yep. significant people. Talk me through the emotional roller coaster that you've been through so far. Um, if you want to get humble and you want to learn about vulnerability, you start your own business. Um, there's nothing more... Uh, you, you, you never be more vulnerable when you ask for money, ever. And it could be for a business or it could be all for... If you want to borrow 20 bucks off a mate, you feel like crap. I'm like, can I borrow 20 bucks? Because there's almost an embarrassment to it. Times that by 200,000, times that by 500,000. And you, you go, oh, Jesus. So what you're doing is you're having conversations with people that you barely know. And you're saying, can I please have money? This is my plan. Uh, is on a PowerPoint presentation. I, I swear I know what I'm doing. And underneath you've got no freaking idea. Um, but you, you know what you, you know where you want to go but you don't know how you're going to get there. Yeah. Um, so you're flying blind. So if you, if you like being perfect and you like being super detail-orientated and you don't want to feel stupid, don't get into to this. It's even harder. If I was going to start a rental business, I can go to the bank and say, I've got um, Kabuto, I can get four 16-ton excavators or 12-ton excavators. I need $500,000. I'm going to rent them out. To and the bank looks at it and goes, okay, cool. We understand because if it goes bust, we can sell the we can sell the gear and recoup the costs. When you're talking about a SaaS product, you're talking about something that's paperwork. It's, it's nothing. Yeah. It's really nothing. Like now, it's something obviously, but when you so you've got to try to engage people that get it. Um, it's tiring, hundred percent. It you you are tired a lot. It's not in a bad way. It's not, not like, oh, it's all going to sleep. It's just like, you go from, bang, you go from this to that, to this, to that, to that. You wear a hundred different hats. Um, you are not the friend that you should be. You're not the family member you should be. You're not the father or the husband you should be because you dedicated so much to the, to the, to the idea. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky in a lot of respects. But like I'm on my way here, I was talking to my good friend Janine and this is a perfect example. We've been playing phone tag for two weeks. I literally got hold of it 10 minutes before I came up here and then from here I've got another meeting, right? And I, we used to speak half hour a day and she's barely getting 10 minutes with me over two weeks and she's got a new kid and I want to know all about that. That's the stuff, unfortunately, you're sacrificing. Yeah. So there's sacrifices there. Um, there's people that probably sit there and actually I know this for a fact they sit there and go oh he doesn't talk to us anymore or he doesn't do this it's not because I don't want to it's because my time right now is so damn precious and it doesn't mean that I'm putting um, I'm pushing people completely to the back burner what it means is right now I'd, I've got to focus on the things that, that are going to help the business I'm now a slave to the business the business is king in my eyes right now um, I have to service and honour that idea as much as possible. What's really hard is at the first is getting it to this point. And then as we, you know, we're going for a raise and we potentially raising a few million bucks, um, it's going to be a little bit easier because I'll have more people on board and able to sort of distribute the, the workload. 
Um, but it's not easy running your own business. It's not easy starting something from completely nothing. And I, and I know some people have said, oh, he's crazy. This is early days. I, I, I've back channels. Um, oh, no, 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 he's got no idea. He doesn't know. I've heard, I've heard every excuse. Doesn't know anything about tech. He's got no idea. He doesn't, um, who does he think he is? Um, where's his turtleneck? Um, um, you know, I, I, yeah, it's Steve Jobs jokes. I love that one. Yeah, where's his turtleneck? Um, he's bonkers. He, he'd be broke in a month. He'd be begging us for jobs. Heard everything. If you allow that to slow you down, then, then yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do this five years ago. I would have been. So, so how do you how do you uh, turn off all that negative talk? Um, five years ago, it would have it would have crushed me. Honestly, I would have gone because oh. I was so obsessed with what people thought of me. And I think now, I think this sounds this will get used as as something that sounds like incredibly arrogant, but it's not meant to be. I know what the purpose of what I'm trying to do. And I know that if I worry about the opinions of everybody, then I'm not going to achieve the things that not everyone achieves. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I've got to sit there and go, well, yeah, okay. I, I, I listen to a few people, don't get me wrong. I just, I've got a very core group of people that I will listen to them intently. Um, but I'll listen to most advice, to be fair. I'm not, but if you're going to say, oh, you're, you're this or you're that, I'm, whatever. Yeah, I, I just don't care anymore. I think it's um, I probably didn't answer the question properly, no, but yeah, no, you did. So, I was listening to a podcast with the the founder of Coinbase. Oh yeah, yeah. And is that how I built this? Sorry, was that how I built this? Uh, no, I think who was he on? He was on Lex Friedman's podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's probably been on a bunch. Of these. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. usually go on tours and they, they yeah, do. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. But uh, so I'm going to Yabby Chatfield one after this. I thought you were going on Joe Rogan. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to smoke smoke joints with. <laughs> Elon Musk and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so then he was talking about like the struggle of um, the negative like influence from so many places and just he never expected it to be so draining to his to his mental state as a founder. Yeah, it's probably. And, and, and the fact that like you've got to have people around you that can pull you up and forward. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if everyone, because everyone always finds the negative and stuff. Tall like, poppy syndrome, man. Um, I'm not too bad with the negative stuff right now because I think probably because I've just gone through life do you know what I mean mm. um, so I've learned to put the BS filter up a bit but there's times I doubt myself but then I realise I'm the energy well this sounds ridiculous but when you're a business owner people look to you for answers and it's ridiculous sometimes I'll sit in advisory board meetings and I've got the XMD is zero there I've got the ex-president of, of Zendesk there I've got I've got the CFO of Carpcore, CPO of Open Universities. I've got, I've got bloody Bruce Foraker. I've got, I've got these incredibly intelligent, wealthy, smart, um, savvy people, and they're asking me questions. And you sit there, and go, is this what? Like, <laughs> so the imposter syndrome is really real. I'll, I'll say that. That's a, that's a big one. Like sometimes I go, oh, nah, this is weird. And then like you know, you sit there, and go, well, obviously they see something that I don't see. Um, but regarding the negative stuff, like, yeah, you just learn to shut off. Yeah. And, and you learn to go, oh, well, if, that, if, if they doubt it, that's on them. And you've got to also look at the, the situation that person 
is in. And that's not me being derogatory or whatever. That person could be dealing with wife is is giving him a hard time, wants to leave. It could be it could be financial pressure, or she's like you know in certain situations. So sometimes their point of view is not necessarily a reflection of you. It's a reflection of where they're at in their life. Mm. So you, you can't take it personally. Yeah. Uh, where previously I would have. I'm like, what? And I'd roll up sleeves and want to fight everyone. But now I'm just at a point where I was like, well, I want to do this. I'm going to break through brick walls to do this because the purpose is there. And, and not, you know, I get the people go, oh, you take billions. Not far from it. Far, 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 far from it. Like miles, trillions of miles out of it, wait. But what I am now is I'm happy and I've got a purpose. Yeah. What about pressure? So so taking money from uh, a number of angels mm. or a VC or however you raise, did you, did you raise, was there like a, an in, like, was there a pressure and an instant feeling of release as well at the same time? Because then you've got the money, but then it's like now I have to deliver. I think the release is there because raising funds is extraordinarily draining um, because you're having it's like speed dating not that I've done speed dating but it's like, you you know, got extra girlfriends yeah, kids, yeah, yeah, I, got speed all, I got it all mate I've got it all I've got, I've got, a, I've got a Mormon I'm a Mormon on a you know, Amish village um, no no it, it's, it's I'd imagine it'd be like speed dating when you're sitting there and you're just having the same conversation but if you look at it it's like sales in some regards I used to do seven or eight sales calls a day at one three hundred ten fence and go I'm just like, hey, mate, how you going? Dash from one through under 10 fence. Just like, hey, your fence holding up. Jump in the car, fill up my Zoho. Off I go, hey, mate, Dash from one through. So you sort of get used to repetition, mm. um, which is sad that I can still recite how to do that. Um, but yeah, pressure is interesting. It's uh, one of the things that I think I'm pretty good at, and I've got feedback on, I don't really get pressure. I don't, I don't feel pressure. I, I, sometimes I sit there and go, oh, geez, that's getting a bit curly, like burn rates and various other things. But I don't know. I, I sort of sit back and go, I'm really blessed to do what I'm doing. Mm. And whenever you sit there and have a bad day, my, my, I always say my worst day here is my best day elsewhere. I like that. And that, that's what I look at. I sit there and go, the days I'm really... Just, that's why, I, like I say, I'm, I get tired, definitely, right? But that tired is different from dealing with political BS, worrying about um, restructuring the business, making sure, uh, worrying about my bonus, worrying about um, when I'm going to pass my probation period. Then they're different pressures. I'm more, I get more concerned about that because, in some regards, I'm probably a little bit of a control freak, maybe. But I like, I'm in the driver's seat here. This is my time to shine. If I stuff this up, this is on me. Yeah. But I'm not going to give myself an opportunity to stuff it up. And so going from being, I could be saying an immature 40-year-old. Mm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, go, oh, oh, go, going from that to where you are now, where you've, you've raised money, you're sitting in a room of pretty senior people, you've got a company and a product that you own now that you're yeah. selling out to people yeah. that businesses are using to manage their strategy. It's still weird. <laughs> You mentioned the, the term imposter syndrome. Yeah. So, so talk through that a little bit. Could you sit there and you go, I know that these people are smarter than I am in, in various fields. How, why are you coming to me? Because 
I'm just a person that had an idea. Because at the end of the day, a founder is a person with an idea that had a passion to get it to point A. And then they got it to point B, and they got it to point C. But they look at you as being the, the doyen, the guru. What, what, do, what do you want your business to be? And you're like, oh, shit, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, actually, we'll, we'll actually want this. Yeah. So it's sort of weird. I, I mean, like I've, I've said before, no, probably not here, but elsewhere, I dropped out of high school in year 12, got into pubs because I couldn't be asked doing anything else. Um, probably was a bit of a no-hoper for a while. And then suddenly you're asking me to head up a multi-million dollar company and listen to people that are worth 50 times what I am and done a thousand more times than I've done. But you're asking me for advice about what we need to do here. It, it's, it's surreal, humbling and, and bizarre. At the same so, so, so what changed? Like what was the moment, do you think, where you, like the light bulb switched where you're like, no. I am going to mature. I do want to like have control over my destiny. I, yeah. I can do that. Like, is there a moment that you remember that um, triggered that? Probably a series of moments, to be honest. Probably just series. It's probably just a million different little things. And then once I left one three hundred, honestly, I really need to leave one three hundred. It was toxic for my own my own mental health. Um, not because of them, because of me. Um, I needed to leave. Um, and I think once I did that and then I started freeing myself from worrying about certain things and 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 once I did that, I, I believe that that's when I sort of the penny sort of started to drop. And then honestly, once I got the Impura thing in my head, I was just like, oh shit, this is this is something I want to do. This is something I really this, this I had no idea about the valuations. I had no idea about this, I had no idea that. All I knew was I wanted to do something. Mm. and do something that's regardless of this thing makes one dollar or a hundred billion dollars at least i've done something at least i can say i did this i, I grew something that was completely that was an idea that i spelt wrong <laughs> <laughs> on a paper and launched it and i've got people using it and passionate about it everyone that's involved in impera like 20 odd people that are involved in impera whether they're paid employees board members or advisory board they're all passionate about the, the about the brand, the product, the purpose. And and you know, Mark who who's, works with us, he says that's, that's all you. And I I, I struggle to see that at times. Mm. And that's also about the energy. Well, like you, you, because people draw off your energy. Yeah. And you, and so I can't have a bad day. Because if I have a bad day, the people that are dealing with me, working with me, you know, uh, we've all had been. Oh, how's so and so? Oh, he's in the he's in the Brad Pitt's, he's, you know, like, I can't have that. Mm. So I'm learning to sort you of... got to protect the, the staff almost. Like, you got to... Like, if a CEO comes to work and he's pissed off at something and he starts, like, venting to, like, the rental coordinator... Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not going to really do much for the, the business, is it? No, no, no. And, and I, I feel that that's something that I've, I've... Somehow I've naturally known... And this... People will say, oh... <laughs> I know I'm a leader. Because I'm a shit follower. Okay. Does that make sense? Well, you did say before that you used to be a very bad employee. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> Which no. is quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, it's so funny because I've had people say, you know, you weren't. I said, no, but I, I was because I would constantly, why do we do this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why can't we do this? Because I wanted to do more than was getting. And I'm, to be fair, I didn't see the whole picture. Yeah. So now I'm in the other shoe. 
I can see the whole picture. And it's probably, honestly, it's probably a control thing, in all honesty. I probably said that I'm going, well, you know, um, I needed to be in, in control. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with being in control, but also you've got to learn when to succeed control. And when, so I'm very good at delegating. <laughs> Some people say I'm way too good at delegating, but, but I'm good at delegating things that I know now what I'm not good at. And that was one thing that I probably struggled with and it probably caused me problems back at once for 100 days was I didn't know, I was trying to do too much. I was mm. trying to be everything. And now I know, like, I've got no idea. How, I've got a rough idea how our database works. I've got a rough idea how our tenancy works. I've got a, I know, certainly know how cybersecurity works because I'm signing the checks. And <laughs> but, but you know, what I, mean? I, I know how all that works, but I don't need the detail. I just need to know it's done and I need to know at a high level why it's done and how it's done and understand where the gotchas are. Yeah. I don't need to understand how A to B to C works and how this database tenancy works with this and how this work, how this code line of code hooks up to that more integrated. I don't need to know that, but I've got a lot better. I've got a million times better at turning around and going, well, I don't need to know how to do that. Yeah. So, so then what advice would you give to maybe yourself in like your mid twenties then? Like if you could go back and sort of have a chat to yourself. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, slow down, shut up. And, uh, you know what, I wouldn't, no, actually, you know what, I wouldn't give you many advice. I don't live with regrets. Like, everything, everything has happened. It's happened for a reason. Just keep on the journey. You'll get there. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, I want, in 20 years, there's a famous Matthew McConaughey quote where he says, his hero is him in 20 years. So he wants to see himself in 20 years and say, Yep, you're my hero. I was the same sort of thing with me. I want to just go, not that I'm my own hero. Some people will say it, I But um, it's more about in 20 years' time, I want to say, okay, cool, I got from this point to that point and I can reflect back on the person that I was. Yeah. So I saw, I saw this pretty amazing TikTok the other day. It's crazy the editing they do on TikTok now as well. The I refuse TikTok. <laughs> I, I'm not on Facebook. It, it I'm is barely on anything. It's crazy the level of like production that goes into videos now. But this particular video was of um, a person that had become a drug addict. So uh, they weren't actually a drug addict at that point in time, but the whole purpose was like just to pick this um, story. And it was them in 10 years talking to themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was going back and forwards. And it was like, oh, so what happened? I was like, oh, yeah, you got hooked on this drug. And it was that person talking yeah. to himself yeah. about their future self. Yeah. And it was really powerful to see like that, like that video can depict like yourself, like with your own goals. Like imagine talking to yourself in 10 years yeah. and go, I got lazy with Imperia and I stopped doing it. Yeah. Imagine like yourself telling you that, yeah. how sad you would be. Yeah, exactly. You've got, to, you've, got to keep, you've got to keep on yourself. And I think that's probably the other side of when being an on... Uh, Personally, I hate the word entrepreneur. I hate the word CEO. I, I, I'm just doing a job. I, I'm doing what I want to do. And um, I'm not, I've never been a title person, ever. I, I know some people love titles. Some people want to be called general manager of this or CEO of that. Fine, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm a purpose person, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I sort of sit there and I, I think to myself, how would I look? When you work for someone, you can get lazy. But when you're sort of working for yourself and you're working for a purpose, you sort of lose the ability and the luxury to be lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it sounds ridiculous, it's a luxury to be lazy, but you kind of lose that. I think it's, you know how equipment rental 
businesses are so obsessed with the utilization of their assets. Mm. When you become an entrepreneur, your time becomes the utilization factor. Yeah, oh, 100%. And so if you waste that three hours in the afternoon watching YouTube yeah. or whatever it is or... God, I wish. <laughs> Jesus, so, cat videos. <laughs> so then you, uh, you sort of lose that, that... Like, as an employee, it, it's not as relevant. No. You know what I mean? Well, as an employee, you can go home at five o'clock or four o'clock or whatever. Go home, have a beer, have dinner and watch Hunted or whatever you want to watch. And you're, you don't have to worry about it. When you own a business, there's no, there's no, your clock doesn't stop. Yeah. The clock doesn't stop. What, what I used to, a quick story before for wrap up. I knew when I had enough of 1300 was when on Sunday nights, I'd almost get anxiety about going to work. That's when I knew I was done. And that's when I knew I was done being employed because to go to work and to go to work on that Monday was almost paralyzing. To what, why do you think? Because I, was, I, I couldn't see where I was going. Mm. Does that make sense? So yeah. I was like, oh, another week. I was like, okay, I'm just punching the ticket. You know, I've got nothing against anyone that wants to punch a ticket and do the job and go home and turn their, turn their brain off and have a healthy life with their family. No issues with that whatsoever. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, you just had that drive, had that little that itch. Yeah, it's just the itch. It's just it's just itch to do something different. Yeah. Um, you, you get one spin at this whole thing, allegedly, and it depends what you believe. It could be eight, it could be one. But you get one chance at this life. Um, I wasn't going to spend it um, worrying about what could have happened. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so then fast forward to today, I like to ask everyone how they define success. Yeah. Uh, um, legacy. So my success I don't want it to be determined till I'm no longer here if that makes sense so if my success means that future generations behind me are in a really good spot and that doesn't just mean myself that also means in my family that means the people that are using Impera and their families have got better because their their family lives got better because they're in control of their businesses um Trent told me a story with Zero. He met a guy at Zero. I met a guy at the Virgin Lounge. Everyone meets at the Virgin Lounge. And um, a guy walked up and goes, you work for Zero? And Trent's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. MD. But he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, thank you. And he goes, and he goes what for? And he goes, because beforehand, before I did, before, what's the name, I used Zero, I was well behind mm-hmm. on my invoicing. And when I was well behind on my invoicing, my wife and, my wife and I used to fight all the time. He goes, zero saved my marriage. Wow. <laughs> That's success. Yeah, yeah. That's legacy type stuff. Success for me is not fast cars, house. I'm a simple man, man. If I could buy a place in Mount Macedon and just drive, I've got one luxury thing in my life as a Tesla 3. And the other reason I've got it is because as soon as I stopped working for someone else, I had to pay for my own petrol. <laughs> oh, Where's that five thousand dollar car yeah, gone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I as soon as I got that, I went. I'm just buying a I'm buying an electric car because uh, it's just it's just going to be cheap. So in a tight house. If I've got just if I've got my dogs, my missus, my daughter, and and family around me, and I've got I've got a nice little place in the country. That's success for me in that regards. But overall a legacy of success for 
myself, my family, and, and anyone that's involved at Impera, that's more important to me. So That's awesome. Well, look, I'm, I'm take my hat off to anyone that starts a company and goes through that journey. And I'll be pretty interested to get you on the podcast again in probably three years. And Yeah, I'll and, speak, speak, to my, uh, <laughs> speak, to, speak to my PA. He's got a PA. He's got another bit. Oh, but by that time, like, I'll be like that guy in the lounge waving to you at the virgin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, might be, I might be working for Coates again as a sales kid out of that boy. So, yeah. uh, awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. No, thanks, Mark. It was awesome.